Um, we're going uh, to be exploring the concept here this morning of the gift of faith, but I want to do it in a little bit of a different way because I don't believe all faith is the same. How many of you believe me? Come on, not all faith is the same. And I want to kind of split faith into two categories that can be split a million different ways. I, I've read all sorts of things on the ten different types of faith or the six different, there's all sorts of you know, ideas or concepts or theology about faith. But for the sake of this message, I'm going to kind of split faith into two categories. One is active faith, and one is reactive faith. And so reactive faith, in this case, as we dive into the scriptures, reactive faith is the type of faith where we, where we, we kind of, uh, like a soda machine, we go and we, we kind of get it when we need it, and shh, because usually there's something difficult or tough that's going on in our lives or there's a need in our life so we kind of punch it and go oh I need I need to you know express the gift of faith so I'm gonna get a little bit and then we go on our merry way and then when we need God again we engage the gift of faith and and so on and it's kind of this circular and I would say that most Christians live their life of faith according to that when I need it I'll use it amen but how many of you believe that God how many of you believe that God doesn't want us to live a life of faith that only reacts to difficult situations in our life? But that he wants us to live a life of active faith, a faith that is always engaged and always on. And so I've titled this message, The Flow of Faith, because faith should flow like a river. It shouldn't have an on and off switch in our life. Right? Faith is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. Faith is not a, uh, I've got a difficult situation, so now I'm going to engage this gift. It should be something that is constantly flowing. And so, because I don't want to mess my message up and sermon up this morning, I'm not going to do this again, but it did work out in the first service. And I engaged somebody here in the front row, stuck the mic in their faith and said, what are you believing for? And uh, they said, I think, a couple of very general things. And I said, that's a cop out. Oh, he said, more faith. And I said, that's a cop out. What are you believing for? And then he said, good things. And I said, that's a cop out. Now, the point was not to pick on that person because 99% of you, if I would have done the same thing, you probably wouldn't have come up with anything specific and concrete. After a while, you might have. How many of you think it's crazy, the majority of, this, on, the majority of the people in this room, that if I stopped you in a moment, couldn't tell me what you're believing for without thinking about it for a while? We should be actively engaged with faith at all times. In other words, we should begin to, around here, stop one another and be able to say, what are you believing for? And you label three things that fast. Why? Because if faith is available to you and I as believers, why aren't we using it? I'm going to hopefully answer some of the questions why we don't use it and convince you that we should use it. We should be actively engaged with faith at all times. We should always be believing for something. Maybe it's a loved one. Maybe it's a better job. Maybe it's, uh, you know, a difficult situation in your life. But you should always be believing for something. And i got to be honest with you. Uh, some people might say, I'm believing for revival. Revival where? With who? When? You know how many people are praying for revival? And I'm like, what does that mean? Where does it start? With who? I mean, be specific with your faith. and When you engage faith actively in your life and you flip that switch on and you don't shut it off and you allow faith to flow through you, you should have some specific things that you're believing for. 
Because I've got to be honest with you, some of what we're believing for is confusing God himself. I'm believing for revival. And God's like, uh, what? where? What? With who? How? What are you talking about? What are you asking me for? Good things. What good things? Come on. So for the sake of not messing up my message, I'm not going to ask anybody that question now. Now, John chapter 15, verse 7 says, If you remain in me and, work, and, you're, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This concept of abiding or being surrounded by him and him by us, this concept of being grafted into the vine, that he is the vine and we are the branches, that who he is flows through us and who we are flows through him. This idea of being one together with the Father in heaven, this, this concept or idea, it's, it's talked about, but, but the specifics of what that looks like oftentimes are, are kind of shaky. But I believe that part of living a life engaged in faith is this very thing. Faith is not something you dip your toe into every once in a while when you need it. Faith should be something that you dive into and you're consumed by it at all times. You know, if you, if you take, there's some people in this room that have seen massive uh, success in their life uh, or just seem to always be on top of the mountain or things going right in their life. And you're going to find something about that person. You're going to find that they are always believing for something. They've always got a vision for tomorrow. They've always got something in their heart that they're petitioning God for. Amen? So we're going to get into this here. Galatians 3.11. Clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God, but because the righteous will live by faith. Now, I, 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 I talked about this in the first service, and I, I, I want to just be very clear with you because I've been thinking a lot when I was away. It's probably why the first service went till 1047, but um, it's still only an hour and 17 minutes. Um, but I, I was thinking about this a lot when I was away, and, and I realized that, that, that as one of your pastors here and as the lead pastor, I want you to know that my job at the end of this is for later on this afternoon or for tomorrow morning for you to dive into the Word of God to find out if what I said was true. In other words, I want to challenge you every single week. I want to rattle your brain and for you to go, I don't, I, I just, that's, I don't know if that, what he said was true. I've got to go figure this out. I'm going to find this out for myself. Because the formula for church growth today, a lot of that formula is around the idea of let's build a very cushy, soft space around everyone's mind so that they never feel ultimately challenged with where they are. It really is. It's, it's what it's about. So don't conflict anything that anybody believes. Just preach as kind of as general and as soft and as gentle of a message as possible. And that's wonderful, and that's one way of doing things. But I promise you, God's not called me to that. God's called me to rattle your brain. All right? Why? Because he's always rattling mine. I, I kind of joke around with my wife. I say, I think, feel like I have schizophrenic theology. Because every th time I think I know something, God knocks me over the head. And I'm like, wait a second. Wait a second. It doesn't mean that what his word is not true. But he always wants you to be searching and digging for greater understanding. And I want you to own what you believe. I'm not here to control what you believe. I'm here to get you to own what you believe. In other words, I want to challenge what you believe, not so that you'll listen to every word I say and, and just do it without checking for yourself. 
I want to constantly challenge your faith, and I want to challenge your understanding of God with this concept this morning, and that is this. If you live by and according to only the law, trying to justify your walk with that, you will oftentimes find yourself outside of the realm of the impossible, which requires faith. Are you with me? If your relationship to God is about fulfilling or, or, or living according to what I'm allowed to do and what I'm not allowed to do, which most people, both in and outside the church, believe that's what faith is about. It's about what I'm allowed to do and what I'm not allowed to do. I'm allowed to hang out with these people. I'm not allowed to hang out with you scoundrels. I'm allowed to do this. I'm not allowed to do that. And God forbid you get one of those wrong. Because the, the, the theology that's, that's prevalent today will tell you that God, you have disappointed him. He's in heaven weeping. There are now giant things standing in the way of you experiencing him. And, and if you would just learn to get things right, then you're going to somehow have greater access to God. And our whole relationship to God is about, what am I allowed to do? What am I not allowed to do? And honestly, it creates Christians who are weak and, and yeah, boring, <laughs> and who live inside of a little, comfortable little box where nothing ever pushes me outside of, no, no, I'm not, no, I can't do that because I just, wait a second, and I just, I don't know, you know, I just, oh, I just don't want God to be mad at me, and he's, what if, what if I'm not supposed to do that? I don't, I didn't find any scripture that said I wasn't supposed to do, but what if I'm not, and then if I do it, and then what is God going to feel about me, and I'm just going to run around in my Christian life and be like this, and then eventually, when my mind gets overwhelmed with my anxiety, my Christianity anxiety, my Christian anxiety, I'm going to come to Pastor Dan, and I'm going to spill it all out to him and he's going to fix me. No. I'm not going to fix you until you begin to understand this. And is this. This in the message translation is a little easier for us to understand. Galatians, same, same scripture. Rule keeping does not naturally evolve into living by faith, but only perpetuates itself with more and more rule keeping, a fact observed in scriptures, the one who does these things, rule-keeping, continues to live by them. In other words, as long as you live your relationship with God based on what am I allowed to do and what am I not allowed to do, and what am I allowed to do and what am I not allowed to do, and you think he's this Catholic school principal with, with a long three, you know, three, a yardstick waiting to beat you on the hand and send his nuns to your room, and your relationship with God is like that, you will never, ever, 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 and I mean ever, as long as you're living that way in your Christian life, you will drive yourself nuts. And then you will come to me and you'll say, I just, I have to tell you this story. Make sure this person's not here. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but I just don't want them to know that I felt this way when they were telling me it. Susie, are you here? I'm just kidding. No, not that Susie. It's not Susie. I recently had somebody come to me and, and they were freaking out. They were freaking out. And it's understandable. And, but I, I wanted to correct kind of the mindset. And so I want to give you this as an example. And this person, the way they set up the question to me, they, uh, they, they said, they said I, I have to tell you something. And it was a female. And it was a female. 
And it's not her, by the way. <laughs> and they said, I have to tell you something. I said, what's that? I said, I just, I, I know I'm supposed to tell you this. I just feel really weird and awkward about telling you this. And I was by myself, and it was a female. Are you going with me here? And I was like, uh-huh. And she's like, I don't know. Should I just, I just, I just, I feel like I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it and not feel, I, I just can't worry about what you're going to think. I'm just going to say it. I felt like I was back in middle school. And I was like, okay. And I was 99% sure they were going to tell me that they were in love with me. Now, now that, the reason some of you are groaning, the reason some of you are groaning is because you underestimate how beautiful I think I am, okay? Okay? Let me just fix my jacket. If you would have been there, you would have felt the same thing, okay? I know I've, I know I've gained a couple LBs, but I still got some swag, all right? And so I was like, this is going to get really weird. And so I was, I was already thinking of how I was going to proceed and what I was going to say. It was going to probably start something like, well, you're, you have a major problem then because my wife will kill you. And so that wasn't the case. And then I thought, well, the only other thing is this person is cheating on their significant other. And they're getting ready to tell me. And then that opens up a whole other can of worms. Either way, I'm like, whatever they're getting ready to tell me is really really serious because they have some major, major anxiety about telling me it. And finally, I'm like, just tell me. Just, I mean, five minutes of him and hawing. The setup was unbelievable. I'm like, just tell me. And this person said, I just, just feel like I'm disappointing God. I'm like, What? I just, I, you just feel disconnected from him. That's, that's what you've got? That's it? And what? And you love me? You don't love me? Well, I'm going to have to go home and take some of those self... I'm like, what? I was kind of disappointed at the same time, but... I thought all that anxiety around you think that God's disappointed with you. And so because of that, you have all this anxiety in your life. And you think that, I'm like, this is what happens when your relationship with God is about what I'm allowed to do and what I'm not allowed to do. What am I allowed to do? What am I not allowed to do? Oh my gosh, did I mess up? Did I mess up? Did I mess up? Do you understand that the Jews lived that way? Do you understand that the Israelites lived that way? because they had so many rules and laws that they were trying to keep, that they drove themselves crazy, and that they never felt like they could ever connect to God because they were always trying to keep the rules. And do you know that is why the Savior came into this world so that they didn't have to feel like they had to... Do you understand what I'm saying? So that they could, they could finally look at God at more, as more than just somebody who was there to figure out whether they were do, making, keeping the rules and that they could actually have a relationship with Him? Let's read this together. This is what I wrote down. Religion will lead you into a life of reactive faith because you are always fighting from the disadvantage of not really knowing the Father's heart. What that means for you and I is that when your relationship is based on religion, which is the keeping all the rules, you are at a disadvantage because you never allow yourself to understand and know the Father's heart. And because of that, your faith will always be reactive because you're running around 
totally full of anxiety and worry about what am I going, what, what if, and what if, and what if, and then when something comes your way, you're like, oh God, now I have to use faith, I guess. The difference is this. Some people are like, I don't know if this is right. I'm going to prove it to you. When you know his heart, you can live a life of active faith because you understand the fullness of your inheritance. When you understand that you're a son and a daughter, when you understand what your inheritance is, when you understand the place and the rightful place and access God's given you, you don't run around like a crazy person trying to, wait, 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 wait. You don't act that way. Listen, read the scripture together. This scripture, well, let's just read it first. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, I'm going to finish this in a moment, that we have confidence to enter the holy place. Why? Because we got all the rules right? Because we kept the rules? Because we, we no, not because we're perfect, not because you got it all figured out, not because you cleaned up all the messes in your life, because we have confidence to enter the most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. And because he tore the veil that, that prevented us from accessing his holy place, he tore it from top to bottom so it could never, it could never be put back together again. Some of you are trying to hang a ve- another veil up. And I'm going to just shoot this straight with you because you've been listening to some bad theology. And that bad theology is not based around leading you to the truth. That bad theology is based around controlling you. Oh, I said it. It's based around controlling you because as long as that box is clear and defined, then I can control you inside of that box. The minute there's no borders to the box... The minute you're, you're stepping beyond the box and really going after a greater understanding of God and it's not so crystal clear and cut and dry and black and white, which makes us feel so warm and fuzzy when it is. We just love the safety of this. Oh, it's just so comfortable here. That's right. This is wrong. That's right. This is, people, people, I know some of you who are, who are, are being critical here this morning, and I appreciate that because I want you to be critical uh, of, of what I'm saying because I want you to figure it out for yourself. But some folks that are being critical are saying, are you giving people permission to do things that the Bible says not to do? No. I'm giving people permission to tear down the barriers that have prevented them from going into the holy place and accessing the Father and living a life of active faith. Because when you give people access to the heart of God, you no longer have to beat them over the head with the rules because they want to please the one they love. I know that's crazy. I know that seems insane, but it's what Jesus came to do. The father was tired of not having a relationship with his children, so he sent his son to die to remove the barriers of access into his holy place so that he didn't just get to commune with one guy once a year. So he could commune and know and have a relationship with all of us. Are you with me? I'm going to close in four minutes, hopefully, in theory. Let us draw near. This is the continuation of this. Let us draw near to the God with a sincere heart, with the full insurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who is promised is faithful. Now listen to me right now. Some of you need to go to a Hebrews 10, 19 through 23 buffet 
and you need to max that puppy out. You need to go back four or five, six times to that and fill your plate up. I want you to be so fat when you roll out of that restaurant that they have to put you on a stretcher to get you in the car, and when you get to the car, you won't fit through the door. You need to overindulge yourself on this scripture because if you will, you will break the nonsense that has kept you from entering into an active life of faith. You will break off the nonsense that has prevented you from getting access to the place, holy place of God because God sent his son so that we could have confidence that we could draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance. This is, describes the exact opposite of what is prevalent in the church today. We do not have confident people who are entering and drawing near to God with full assurance. We have scared orphans that, are, that think they don't belong there because of nonsense that people have spewed to control us, to keep us in a box. We don't have this because we have allowed ourselves to be controlled by the religion of man and not the relationship of the Father. And when you access the Father's heart, oh, I'm preaching this morning, whether you like it or not, I am. When you access the Father's heart and you understand it, you realize that, that when you realize I've been kept in a box so long and now I can actually live a life of active faith engaged with the promises of God for my life and enter into the holy place, your Christian walk will never be the same. And guess what? You'll be a heck of a lot happier. You with me? So that what? Let us hold unswervingly. Listen to this. Unswervingly, which means I cannot, I cannot be taken off course. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who has promised is faithful. You know why some of you only use faith? When difficult times come and then you live your life and then you re-engage and then you live your life and have reactive faith. Do you know why we do that? Because most of us don't actually think that God is concerned with our everyday lives enough that we can activate faith and he'll actually fulfill the promises over our life. We don't actually believe half the promises God's given us. So why would we have the faith to believe it's going to happen in our lives? And so the only time we access faith is when we're in really critical times and we have usually have run out of all other options. Um, so many times something difficult comes our way. Let's be honest with one another. The last thing we end up doing is having faith that God's going to get us out. We check our bank account. We talk to Uncle Joe. He's got some money. We do this. We do that. We do this. And if all those options fail, God, I just want to tell you I have the faith that you're going to get me out of this. He's like, where, where were you yesterday and the day before? When I, I, instead of just bailing you out, I actually want you to prosper. Instead of just getting you out of a tough situation, I want you to live yeah. with the promises of God being fulfilled in your life because what I say is true. Yeah. Active, reactive, active, engaging faith. Faith engaged and on all the time. I'm trying to do this fast, sorry. So let's do, this, this, is, the, this is the message translation of the last part. And this is, like, this is like the Nike slogan, you know. It says, let's do it full of belief, confident that we are presentable inside and out. You ever seen a woman get ready to go out on the town? Or me go out on the town? I take more time than my wife. I will admit that right now. <laughs> we, some of us have been in the, some of us have been in the bathroom getting ready in front of the mirror our whole lives.
because we don't actually believe we're presentable. We haven't engaged faith with faith in our everyday lives because we don't really believe that we're presentable in the sight of God. We've allowed, we've allowed what man has told us about what our faith is supposed to look like to control us and make us a hermit, living in front of the mirror, being self-critical of everything. I just gotta fix this. I gotta fix this. I don't like that color. I'm just gonna get it. The lipstick doesn't match my dress. This just makes me look fat. Everything makes me look fat. I don't know. Just, I just don't know. But instead, it's this. Instead, of, instead, it's this. Yeah, but you know, it's only been three weeks since uh, I did that, and and God told me to do this, and I didn't, and this happened, and then I shouldn't have said that to her, and then I gossiped last week, and then. And then, and then I didn't call her back when I said I was going to. And, and then I, I lied the other day to my boss. And I just, I just, it's just not presentable. I just, if I can just get, fix myself up enough, I, 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 can, I can be presentable. And God's like, I've already paid the price so you can be presentable. It's like, and I'm sorry, ladies, I'm going to pick on you, but it's like, the mom of the house not letting anybody come over because the house is never clean enough. My wife finally gave up. She said, we'll never have anyone over if we're waiting for the house to be perfect. God wants to be invited to your home, and you're too busy trying to get it presentable enough. Therefore, it's been 10 years since you've had him over. I'm going to finish. This is so good. I shouldn't stop, but I'm going to. You can read that later. That's Abraham, and i got another story to tell, but I'm not going to do that one either. I want to read this to you. Faith is like Wi-Fi. Faith is like Wi-Fi. It is invisible, but it has the power to connect you to what you need. Faith is like Wi-Fi. It is invisible, but it has the power to connect you to what you need. And I'm going to ask you this question. Has your router ever been down? What does your life look like? Chaos ensues. I remember before we left to leave to, to, to Chile, um, our, our router internet went down for about 18 hours or something. And you would have thought a tornado was around the corner heading straight for my house. My daughter was panicking. My wife was crabby. I was ready to throw something at everybody. And then when it got reconnected and we had access, once again, are you listening to me? Life is so much better when you have access and your faith is engaged and on. Are you with me? It's on, it's invisible, and, 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 and God wants you to, to engage it. Are you with me? Turn your faith on. I have more, but I'm going to end here. I'll finish it Wednesday. How's that? You're going to come on Wednesday night? Well, that's because you're the youth and young adult pastors, all right? I'll give you the private version. Turn faith on and realize that God's given you access, and he wants you to come confidently with assurance to the holy place in the throne room of heaven. He's given you access. So the new question that we're going to ask each other is not how are you doing? 
because most of you don't really care, let's be honest. Because if somebody says to you, I'm not doing well, you're like, oh, mm. the plague. Let's ask each other a different question instead of, oh, are you enjoying the weather? How you doing? Nice shirt you got there. <laughs> Let's ask each other this question. What are you believing for? What are you believing for? What are you believing for? Challenge each other. What are you believing for? And if somebody stutters, ask them, why isn't your faith engaged? What's holding you back? What's keeping you from turning that switch on? God wants us to engage our faith. I'm going to finish this on Wednesday night. Um, so, do you want to come hang out with us? You should. Just throwing that out there. Let's stand to our feet and let's pray together. this story before we go um, just so that you guys can laugh a little bit we'll, and I'll end with this because I think you get this part um, people ask me did I enjoy my time away I absolutely did um, it was interesting because we we were for like three quarters of the time or two thirds of the time yes Sister Hill is back Gretchen Gretchen Hill is back with us where are you at oh we love you Gretchen we're glad you're back from your surgery. Bless you. Love you. Um, we, when I was away, we, um, her, my wife's grandfather turned 90, and we were at his 90th birthday and he, in Chile, and he, he's, um, he, he basically raised her and took care of her. So for her 40th birthday, that's what she wanted to do, was to be there for that. So we went, and her grandparents insisted that we stay there at the house along with a lot of other people, So there were 10 of us living there in a 900 square foot home with one bathroom. And if you've ever been around a wonderful, loving family of Latinos, you'd understand that they have all have very unique and strong opinions. They like to voice at the same time in a language that I don't understand, but I understand their body language. So for the first four days, I hid in the corner and was very quiet. And that's why I'm preaching so long today, because I haven't talked enough. But for three, some of you who have Spanish families understand what I'm talking about, all right? But for three days, my wife and I and the two babies, we got away and uh, just to hear from God and to spend time with one another and enjoy the countryside there. And that's where that video on Wednesday night came from. And I just want to tell you, I am so, my faith is so renewed in what God has called us to do here. I'm so excited about the future. And I am believing for God to do so much. And I could list them all here this morning because God's challenged me with it. But I just, I just know that there's, there's some great stuff that God's beginning to do here. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. Lord, that your people would come together in your presence to hear from heaven. We ask that you bless all that are here in the name of Jesus, that every person that is here, God will leave here with their faith turned on. 
Lord, with their faith actively engaged, not reacting to the world around us, but God, actively engaged because you have given us the confidence and assurance that we can enter the throne room of heaven in the holy place and know that you are faithful, that what you say, the promises you've given us are true. And so God, we just leave here with our faith renewed. I ask that you tear down the walls of religion that have held us back. I ask that you tear down Lord, the obstacles in our way, Lord, the bad theology, the things that we've put ourselves in a box with, that we tear those things down and get them out of the way and enter into the holy place with full confidence and assurance that we can believe you in every day of our life. So God bless your people as they go. We ask that this word just sink into our hearts and become real in our everyday life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says... Amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you on Wednesday night.